0: Today, I'm, I'm going to be addressing Israel and end times. Israel and end times. Uh, so many questions, so many things are happening right now, uh, so many things that you're going to see on the internet. I just want to bring you back to the Bible of what the Bible says, how it applies to our life, and make application at the end of this. Uh, but uh, the big question that people ask, and, and, and whether in reality you're joking about it, like, is the world coming to an end? Is there, is there an actual close to the world? And the Bible makes it very clear uh, that, that that there is coming a time that the Lord's going to come back and that there's going to be an end of the age or an end of the world. Now, for some people, that almost sounds like science fiction. It's, it's, you, know, you see people going uh, out on the streets holding up signs, the end is near, the end is near, and, you know, from different perspectives of that. And, and we, it's almost become a joke. And the Bible says in the end times, uh, that, that people will mock it. People make a joke out of it. People will ridicule those that stand up for what's truth and, and, and declare this. Um, every time something happens in our world, it shakes people up and people start asking questions. This happened a lot during like COVID. It happened during 9-11. People saying, well, is God trying to get our attention? I'll just answer that. Yes, God's always trying to get our attention. God uses all the things of this, uh, of this world to get our attention, uh, but let me let me bring it to a focal point of, of of Israel. Jesus was sitting in Israel. He was sitting on the Mount of Olives and the Bible says and he sat on the Mount of Olives and the disciples came to him privately saying tell us what shall these things be? And what shall be the signs of thy coming in the end of the world, the end of the world. It's like just think, think about that like that this world is coming to an end, that God has an expiration date on this. And I'm going to tell you why. Because this world has the curse of sin. It's messed up. I don't have to tell you guys that. We know this world is messed up. It's got a sickness. It's got an illness. And you know what I've realized since I've been in Columbus, Ohio? They've not been going around closing down hospitals. Have you guys noticed that? With all the advancements in the research and all the, the, the things that we've had, they're not shutting down. They're not like, we found another cure. It seems like every time we get an answer for something, another disease or something comes out, like cancer. It's like cancer has grown so much. If you go down to Ohio State University, you're going to see they have this giant building called the James. And in front of it, you can't even see the James anymore because they covered it with a giant, massive building in front of that. There's not a lack of sickness not a lack of disease. The world is sick and the Bible talks about that. So that, 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 that when sin, when it is finished, it brings forth death. It's not just us and our bodies, it's the world itself. And we're, we're talking about the ozone layers and we need to save the animals and save the, you know, dolphins and save the turtles and all this. And we're talking about we need to go green. Let me tell you, we should be responsible with what God has given us. We should be. We should be good stewards of our home, our money, and the earth that God's given us. I'm going to say that. But I'm going to tell you this, that this world is sick. It's not about us going green. It should be about us getting right. That's right. That is the hope. If we keep trying to patch up the ozone later, I'm telling you, it's sick. It's going to fall apart. That's why God said, I'm going to pull you out, and I'm going to make all things new. That's prophecy. That's what he said he's going to do. We need to be aware of that. That doesn't mean that we're not responsible with God, what God's given us. But the question is, are we nearing the end? The other question is, does Israel play a vital part in this? Where does Israel fall in this? Israel is, uh, is a vital part of biblical history, and I'm going to show you this, but Israel connects Bible uh, to today's world. It really does. Uh, if you notice, we don't... We don't hear about something happening in Australia and go, you know, where's that found in the Bible? But I'll tell you, when it comes to Israel, we find the story and the things about the teaching of Israel constantly through the Bible. So I'm going to ask you the question, why does Israel matter? Why does Israel matter? The Bible starts and ends with history of Israel. We know that God uses people. God uses pastors. God used Billy Graham. God used Billy Sunday. God used Abraham and Isaac. God will reach down and say, I'm going to use you to do something. God used Mary to introduce Jesus to the world. God uses people. God chose Israel to be his people, that he was going to do a great, mighty thing through it. God had a big plan for Abraham, and I'm going to review a little bit of what I preached on a couple weeks ago. We we're talking about Hebrews chapter 11, and in verse 9, By faith he sojourned to a land of promise. And I know for some of you, you've already heard this, but let me reiterate. He, he said, I, I'm going to bring you to a land of promise. When God, when Almighty God, when Jehovah God puts his promise on something, you can, you can take that to the bank. God keeps his promise. So God gives us things like Israel to be able to have an illustration that God keeps his promise. As in the strange country dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. So it was a promise of God, and God gave us something visual to see it. So God, out of all the things in the Bible, sometimes we can't physically see the fact that God said that I will never leave you nor forsake you. And I'm like, okay, is God with me during this time? When it comes to the prophecy of Israel, you can pull it up on the globe and look at it on a map and say, man, that is God's prophetic promise. I can see it with my own eyes. But the Bible says that at the end of Hebrews 11:9, the heir is with him of the same promise. It wasn't just Abraham. It wasn't just Isaac. He said, I'm going to give the heirs of them the same promise. It started with the Jewish nation and Abraham. Abraham was living in a place that we know is Iraq today. And God said to him, he said, the Lord said unto him in Genesis 12, 1, the Lord said unto him, get thee out of the country from, the kin- from thy kindred and from thy father's house into the land that I will show thee. Now listen to this, verse 2. Okay, this is God saying this. And I will. God said this. God says, I will do something. He said, I will make thee a great nation. I will bless thee. I will make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing. Verse 3, and I will bless them that bless thee and curse them that curseth thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And I know I said this before, but listen to this. God said, you go against Israel, you go against God. You, you pick a fight, not with the nation of Israel, not just with that land. You pick a, a fight with God. So much is focused on the, this nation. But let me tell you, it goes a lot deeper than Abraham, Isaac, and just a plot of land. He said this, and he said in verse 3, And these shall all the families of the earth be blessed. How would the world be blessed by one little nation? Can I show you this? Why does Israel matter? Because God used Israel to give us Jesus. Now, I want you guys to understand as get in this, because you're thinking, well, you're you're really not going into prophecy, but I promise you, we are. And this is all about Jesus. You want to know why you can take a tiny little slice of land in the middle of nowhere, surrounded by Arab nations, and the fact that they are attacking that one. you would think in our minds, just leave them alone and let them be. But there's so much opposition against it. Have you ever noticed that Satan always goes after whatever's right and true? Always. Let me prove a point. Have you guys ever noticed that when it comes to cuss words and, and, and using a, a name of God, nobody ever hits their thumb and goes, oh, Muhammad. You know, nobody ever does that. <laughs> nobody ever cusses and says, oh, Buddha. As you say, no, no, nobody ever does. And you're thinking, well, they're all gods. Well, why is it that it's the name of Jesus Christ that's always attacked? But the whatever variation that they use, whether it's Jesus or our God or our Christ or our, our God or the names of God or whatever, they'll use that in movies and everything else. Because I promise you this, Satan doesn't have to go after false gods because they have no power to do anything. If he's going to go after something, he's going to go after our God because we serve the one true creator, Elohim God that created us and brought salvation. That's why it's targeted. So when you look at Israel, God says, I put my hand on it. I put my promise on it. I, I brought my, 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 my word through that. He did all these different things through that. Satan says, then I'm going to take that out. Okay. Let me give this to you. I mean, let's live Christmas a little bit, okay? So this is <clears throat> Isaiah 9:6, For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. The mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. That's going to be on Christmas cards coming very soon. And of the increase of the government and and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it. To establish it with judgment, with justice, and with henceforth forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts shall perform this. He's talking about our hope is in Jesus Christ talking about God's going to usher this in. And he said, I mean, I will perform this. The zeal of God, the power of God, the Lord of hosts. He said, I will perform this. And he goes back and he talks about God's going to introduce the Savior of the world, the kingdom of God, through the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it. Our, our hope is in Jesus Christ. Our future is about Jesus Christ. But God chose Israel as the place that Jesus would be born God placed Israel as the place that Jesus would die on the cross and perform his earthly ministry and, and rise up from the dead. God chose that to bring the, 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 uh, the, 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 the disciples out, to, to write the word of God and to advance the word of God. God chose Israel for all of these things. You fast forward to Jesus speaking to the woman at the well. She was an outcast. She was not a Jew. She was rejected of the Jews. Jesus is talking to her and he says, For you worship." You know what? You know not what? We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. Jesus is reiterating this. He didn't say that salvation would be only for the Jews, but he was literally emphasizing to them that salvation would come through the Jews. Romans 9, verse 4, we get again in the New Testament. Who are the Israelites? Let's just ask this question Who are the Israelites? Who are the Jews? to whom performeth the adoption and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the service of God and the promises. Whose are the Father and of whom as concerning the flesh of Christ came? Who is over all, God bless forever, amen. Literally in that emphasis, he he says, let me tell you through." Through Israel, he said, "I brought I, I brought promises, and I, I brought kings, and I, I I brought the word, and I brought all these different things." But he said, "the the 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 platform of that." He said, "I I brought in the hope Jesus Christ, God made flesh through the Jews. One day when we all get to heaven and." And we have this image of Jesus sitting on the throne and they're talking about the deed of heaven or the deed of the earth and the future events and who is worthy. And they're talking about we were all broken over who is worthy. And they emphasize this and say, I wept much because no man was found worthy. Nobody, no Abraham, no Isaac, no Jacob, no Peter, no apostles, no disciples was found worthy. No, No man of God that's ever lived on this earth was found open to read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the other elders said unto Weep not, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. Even in heaven... As we talk about everything that God has done and we're looking back on society, looking back on salvation. It is even there, it's reiterated and says, let me tell you, that is the, the, the promise of God that kings would come, the, the lion of the tribe of Judah, that God would deliver us through Jesus Christ. The lamb that was slain was brought to us through the Jewish people. In heaven, God points back to his promises to redeem us. So why does Israel matter? I just want you to know why there's so much opposition why, why there's so, so much craziness in the world right now? Because God put his hand on it to give us what we have today. And by the way, Satan hates that. He hates it. He hates it. But secondly, why does Israel matter? Because God used Israel's people and land to fulfill prophecy. See, prophecy is when God says that he's going to do something and he tells us ahead of time. It's a guarantee of future events. And God did that through certain things. He says, this is going to happen. I'm going to bring forth this and I'm going to bring forth answers. I promise I'm going to do that. So when it comes to prophecy, when things that God says to do, how do we handle that? And Well, Mark chapter 13, verse 37, what shall I say unto you? I say unto you all, watch. It's one word. What what do I do with what God says about Israel? What do I do about what God says about prophecy and the things that is coming? God makes it very clear. He says, I just want you to Watch. Do do you know why I'm doing this message right now? Do you know why I'm taking the emphasis off of other sermon series? this Because I want us to learn to watch. I'm I'm not going to tell you when the Lord's coming back, because even the angels in heaven don't know when the Lord's coming back. But this is the commandment that I can promise you for all of us as Christians. Our calling is to watch. To have your eyes open. To know what the Bible says and apply it to our lives Genesis chapter 17, verse 6. Let, let me show you this. And I will make thee exceedingly fruitful. We're talking to Abraham and the promise of Israel. And I will make nations of thee and kings shall come out of thee. We know that of King David and all the promises and the flag of Israel has the seal of David on it, the star of David on it. I will establish my covenant between me and thee and thy seed and after thee in their generation for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee. And to thy seed after thee, and I will give unto thee, and to thy seed after thee, and the land which thou art, a stranger, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. Two things that it mentions there. Number one, Israel is a land. When we're talking about the church, we say it's not the building, it's the people. That is true when it comes to the church. It's not about this building, this is a tool. But when it comes to Israel, God literally says, Israel, he he gives promises to the plot of land as a symbol, as something that we can visually see in the world today and know that God put promises on that. But Israel is also a people. It is a nation. It is Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and the following thereof. And God said, I'm going to give you an everlasting possession. Now I don't know about you guys. That, that is pretty powerful. That is pretty deep. To, to be able today and, uh, today and look at it and say, wow, God promised that. But the question is, why have they had so many issues? I mean, you guys know they weren't always a nation. It wasn't until 1948 that they became a nation again. What in the world happened? Did God drop the ball? No, God did not drop the ball. Man dropped the ball. Anytime we go against God, even even for us as uh, Americans, we can honestly say that God has blessed America, and God has spoiled us rotten, okay? Just so you guys know, as a nation, we are spoiled rotten. You know why? Because we were established a nation, we were established to put God first. We are one nation under God. And you know how much opposition we get today that people don't like the fact that we're one nation under God. We're slowly removing that. Let me tell you, the more we push out God, the more we don't have the hand of God on us as a nation. We take prayer out of school, you take prayer out of government, you take prayer out of the family, you take the church out of the world you begin to do which is right in our own eyes. It's not a matter of God pushing us out. It's a matter of us pushing God out, okay? There's a difference. And we have to understand the same thing is true with Israel. Israel wasn't great because uh, uh, of who they were as a people, but because of the God that they had in their lives. God is the one that makes us or breaks us in our lives. So let's look at this, the promise and the prophecy of uh, of them in Deuteronomy 28, verse 63. And it shall come to pass that the Lord rejoiced over you to do good. To multiply you. So the Lord will rejoice over you to destroy you and to bring to you naught. said, hey, hey, listen, there's two times. You, you, you can have the hand of God on you or you can push away the hand of God. That, that, that's what happens in our world today with everything, but especially with them. So the Lord will rejoice over you to destroy you, to bring to naught. He shall be plucked from your lands, plucked from off the land, whether thou goest to possess it. Why? Because it was God's land, God's way, god's, god's law. wasn't man. When man rebels against God, we make a mess of what God's trying to do in our lives. Verse 64, And the Lord shall scatter thee among all the people. Now remember, this is prophecy going all the way back to the book of Deuteronomy. From, one, uh, for, uh, from the earth end of the earth even to the other, and there thou shalt serve other gods, and neither shalt thou that for thy fathers have known. Even wood and stone. He said, You'll be scattered abroad. You'll you'll have, you'll adopt other cultures. You'll adopt other religions. In verse 65, and among these nations shalt thou find no ease, neither shalt thou sole of thy foot have rest. You know why? It doesn't work unless we do it God's way. It just doesn't work. There's people today that you're not living God's way right now. You're just like, Life is a mess, and I don't understand why God's not helping me. Let me tell you, you do it your way. And I promise you, you're not doing it God's way. You don't have God's blessing on your life. You just don't. Life does not work when you do life yours way. And it's the same thing happened with him. He said, you're going to have no ease. He said, neither shall your foot have any rest. And the Lord shall give you uh, their, 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 their a trembling heart and failing of eyes and sorrow of mind. And thy life shall hang in doubt before thee. And thou shalt fear day and night and shall have none assurance of life. If you go back in history of the oppression and, and, and think about the Holocaust, that's a result of them pushing away God. Well, it, 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 we, we know the history of that. All the way from 1941 to 1945, six million European Jews were murdered during that time. Why? Because they rejected God. It wasn't that God wasn't keeping his promises, but man was re- pushing against God because of Israel's sin. They faced a lot of opposition. Jesus, even in Mark 13, if we go back to history, when Jesus answered and said "And then Seest thou these great buildings? And he was talking about the temple. And he's, he's looking at the temple and where they worship God and stuff. And he, was, he just prophesied before them, And there shall not be one, uh, not left one stone upon the other that thou shalt uh, not be thrown down. It was destroyed about 37 years after Jesus said that around 70 A.D. Israel was completely changed as a result of this. I don't know how many of you know this, when we talk about the, the wailing wall in Israel, where they go up to that wall, they're talking about the foundation of the temple is all that remains. They literally stand at a wall of rubble. They stand at, it's no longer there, but there's still like the, the, the remnant, the promises that God has, they're, they're, it's just this, this mess now. that they're, they're, they're crying out to God, not seeking after Jesus. And I don't know how many of you understand that the Jews don't accept Jesus Christ as the way, the truth, and the life. One day they will, but not now. They've rejected that. And so many destructions, so many issues. And as a result of that, after the destruction of the temple, they lived in Israel, but they were constantly oppressed because they rejected Jesus. In AD 135, the Roman emperor stopped a revolt in Israel by the Jewish people. And they dispersed the Jews from Jerusalem. They they, they began to push them out. They renamed the region after Israelite was left Palestina. Does anybody know what Palestina means? I'm just curious. Raise your hand right now if you know what that name means. There's a couple of you, but this is interesting. After they, re- they pushed them out, they relabel the place in the Latin, the Philistines. You say, why would they do that? Why would they associate that with that? Well, we know, even with going back to the story of David and Goliath as they fought against the Philistines... They they were raising up an army or or, or they went against an army that was constantly giving them grief. After they pushed Israel out, they were like, hey, I I know what would be funny. Let's label this city what's their worst enemy to where it's it's a slap in the face of the children of Israel. That's what it was. That's where we get the, the, the Palestine today. And that's why this is so controversial. It was a way to dishonor them. Everybody that lived there during this time were the Palestinians. Even the Jews were known as that. Can you imagine the disgrace? I'm an Israelite. No, you're not. You were born in Palestine. You were a Palestinian. Jews were no longer at home. But God keeps his promises. Isn't it great that God always calls us home when we mess up? God God is a God of second chances and third chances. And God picks up the broken pieces when we make a mess. God promised their land would be an everlasting land, an everlasting covenant. God promised he would regather the people from the nations because God was faithful God knew that this was going to happen. He knew the hearts of them. Deuteronomy 30, verse 3, let's go back to this. And then the Lord thy God will turn thy captivity and have compassion upon thee and will return and gather thee from all the nations, whether the Lord thy God has scattered thee. We see this from history, that there were millions of Jews living in other countries, including the United States. Ezekiel thirty four eleven 11 also prophesied this. I, 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 we're building up to it because we're going to literally step right into our history books. This is so cool how God did, it, did this. But let's look at the prophecy thousands of years before this happened. For thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I, even I, will both search my sheep and seek them out, as a shepherd seeketh out the flock in the day and among his sheep that are scattered, so will I seek out my sheep and will deliver them out of all the places where they have been scattered in a cloudy and dark day. And we know that. You talk about scattered and cloudy and dark and opposition and everything. I, I don't think there's many things that we could compare to the days of the Holocaust. And I'll bring them out of the people, from the people, and gather them from all the countries. And listen to this. God said this in Ezekiel 34. And when our minds are blowing, saying, how would this physically be possible? I will bring them to their own land. It's like, what? It's not even called Israel. It's been been relabeled, taken over. We were the minority even when we lived there. We're scattered all over the place. We're just trying to survive. We're oppressed on every angle. We worship other gods now. How in the world would that be possible? Do you understand that even a hundred years ago, people were still questioning how this would be possible? I'm talking about our generation, our grandparents, our great-grandparents would say, how is that possible? He said, I will feed them upon the mountains of Israel by the rivers and, their, and all the inhabited places of the country. He said, that will be their land. I will bring them back. I will bless them. It will, that, they, they, they will feast and grow and establish homes in that land. The question is, how do you reclaim a land? This prophecy almost seemed impossible. I mean, even today, to conquest a land, you'd have to come in with a great army. You'd have to push people. I mean, I'm just like, how in the world would this be possible? Well, this brings us up to World War I, the Ottoman Turks. And let me tell you, if we were to study Israel, and I don't have time, maybe in a Wednesday night Bible study or whatever, we'll go back. Lots of changes, lots of ups and downs, lots of things. Like, the history of Israel was just crazy. But let me fast forward to World War I. The Ottoman Turks were occupying this land during World War I. Great Britain Britain played a big part in defeating the forces in World War I, and they took back the territory. So, in 1917, the British made a mandate allowing the Jews to return back to their land... And give them this state or this place or these sanctions to say, let's give them some place to gather because they have no place for their own. Uh, And and they were literally people without a country. Of course, this caused all sorts of issues because people were protective of their land and and claimed the territory and their territorial and not going to let them back in. But this was all part of prophecy. History literally was about to be unfolded as God was putting all the pieces in place. And Ezekiel 37, verse 21 says, And I say unto them, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I will take the children of Israel from among the heathen, whether they be gone, and will gather them on every side and bring them into their own land. You guys ready for this? In 1948, how many of Oh, never mind. I won't ask. Okay. <laughs> 1948, the United Nations met and voted. Guys, listen, there's a picture of it. A photograph, and, and, and something that we, we, we were able to look in our history books, to be able to look back in Ezekiel and Joel and Amos, on all these things in Scripture and prophecy, all the way back to Deuteronomy, where people for thousands of years scratched their heads and said, no way, that can happen. What in the world? How would that ever happen? We saw it happen in our generation. In 1948, they voted the United Nations and made it a state again. U.S. Harry, uh, President Harry Truman was one of the determining, deciding votes of the U.N. After 2,000 years, they have this title again. And you say, how in the world, when they would read something like Isaiah 66, verse 8, uh, how in the world is something like that even feasible or possible? When he said, Her, who has heard such a thing? Who, 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 why, how is this even possible? Should the earth be made to bring forth in one day? Or shall a nation be born at once? That's impossible. Not with God, it's not impossible. Sure do you understand what we saw in history of 1948 was literally all these prophecies coming together that God said that he would do this? Yeah. They voted it happen. History was made in a day. A nation was reborn in a moment. On this day, going all the way back to Isaiah 11:11. And it shall come to pass in that day. Listen to this. You're talking about prophecy. Listen to this. That the Lord shall set his hand again a second time to recover the remnant of his people, which shall be left from Assyria and Egypt and Pathros and Cush and Elam and Shinar and Hamath and from the islands of the sea. He said, literally from all this. And he set an insign. Right, you just say, What is an insign? He said, I'm going to set an insign. I'm, I'm going I'm to do that. We'll look at that in a minute. For the nations, I, I'm going to establish something for the nations. And shall assemble the outcasts of Israel and gather together the to disperse of Judah from the four corners of the earth. So it wasn't just a matter of there's a couple of things that are going by that are they're going to happen here. He said, I, I, I'm going to give them their land back, but then he said, then I'm going to gather them all back. Even that's like, how is that even possible? But in the middle of that, he said, I'm going to give them an ensign. That word in the Hebrew literally means a flag or a sail or a staff, it means a pole or a banner or a sail. It it is literally something to token to symbolize our nation. Well, Israel's flag was established in October 20th, 1948. Five months after they became an official state, Israel adopted and flew the Israeli flag. Uh, Let me show you this. As this happens, all in a line with what God was saying The star of David was the focus of the flag representing the the, the fact of their heritage and their Jewish heritage that God promised all the way from Ezekiel and all the way through the Bible. And the blue color was literally representing the glory of God. I'm going to ask you guys, do you think that that not irritated not only the other nations, but Satan? Anytime God says, I told you so, Satan's like irritated, like, wait a minute, I did everything that I can. I created the Holocaust and murder and division and spread them out. How in the world is that possible as they were celebrating, waving the flag, representing the promises of God? I don't think we really understand how big of a deal this is. The only comparison that we could possibly have is if we would understand if if the Native Americans were given back the land of the United States and they took it back over. So I don't even know how that would be physically... That couldn't happen. The difference is Israelites were scattered all over the world and Native Americans are still here in their land. This is not the only part of prophecy. God promised to return them to their homeland. And listen to this. Talk about this. How many of you were alive in 2006? Raise your hand right now. Okay. 2006. Watch this. 2006, history was made again for Israel. For the first time in 1900 years, Israel became the home of the largest Jewish community in the world, surpassing the Jewish population even in the United States. They started with 650,000 Jews in 1948. The Jewish population today is over 7 million. 2006, that happened where they became the largest group of people or gathering of, of Jewish people. I saw—I used to have it. I can't find it anymore. I I had—somebody brought me a a Columbus dispatch, and inside the Columbus dispatch, they said literally there was an article that says Israel calls their people home, talking about tax breaks and different things that they were doing, incentives to say it's time to come home. This wasn't just something that I read on Google or whatever. This was something that we literally opened up in Google or Google uh, in in paper. There used to be news in paper. Uh, It was was a newspaper and it was this article that they did that. I saw it with my own eyes. The question is why? When God made the promise in Amos, listen to this, and the promises are scattered all through. We're we're not even scratching the surface today, okay? We're just kind of flying over this. In Amos 9.15, and I will plant them upon their land... And they shall no more be pulled up out of their land which I gave them, saith the Lord thy God. Go ahead, bring the opposition. Sit down and get ready. You say, What's going to happen? "Uh, I know Amos, (laughs) I know Hamas, and I'm like, Okay, what are you doing? Because the end of that verse says, Sayeth the Lord thy God. Do you want to watch the hand of God turn on your news? That's right. Do you want to know why there's so much opposition? Because God made promises. And we're literally seeing these promises be unveiled and shown in our generation. Yes, we are. I'm not just talking about someday, one way, this, that, or whatever. We're literally, as God has said, I will, I will, I will, I will. Take it even this. Uh, further than this, Donald Trump. And during his administration in 2017, helped Jerusalem become an official capital of Israel again. Jerusalem got, that got their authority back. This, this, why did this matter? Because Jews were the minority in Israel for so many years. Now they are declaring that Israel was a Jewish nation again, that they, that they, they would now follow Jewish law and Jewish practices. 2017. Jewish law, Jewish practices, what are you saying is that? It's just setting up the things that we read in Ezekiel and things like that. You're setting up the millennial reign, setting up with God' promise that was going to happen, like a bunch of dominoes just being put in place. 2017, that happened. Now, here's the thing. Satan will always target God's plan. Always, always. This makes Israel the enemies. There's, there's always been a target on Israel. But listen what God said about prophecy in, in Zechariah. 12 verse 2, Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of trembling unto all the people round about it. And they shall be in a siege both against Judah and against Jerusalem. And in that day, every time it talks about in that day, it's talking about prophecy or prophetic. In that day, I will make Jerusalem a burdensome stone for all the people. All that burden themselves with it shall be cut in pieces, though all the people of the earth shall be gathered together against it. The crazy thing about it is, you just say, well, okay, we've had people go against us. Can we just visualize this again, if they can bring up the map? I just want you to see this. Just visualize this. That's all the Arab nations is green. The red little slice up there at the top is Israel. Talk about outmanned, outnumbered, outarmied, outland, out everything. How are they still there? How is that even possible? You talk about opposition from, you know, we talk about on May 14th. Did you know on May uh, 15th, the next day in 1948, Israel was attacked by the surrounding nations. Arab nations did not accept this. They went and started war and division from the very beginning. And there's history and everything about how they're celebrating with a flag in one hand and defending themselves with a hand in the other. People will say that the Jews took the land from the Palestinians. No, the land was taken from God's people. And I don't care where you're at or what you believe with this. I'm not talking politics. I'm not talking CNN. I'm not talking about what's popular on Google right now. I'm telling you what the Bible says. And for us as Christians, we reject what the world says. We don't go by their standards. We don't go by what people say. I don't go by what they're writing or the signs that they hold up. I go by what the Bible says is right. You talk about end time prophecy and the things that are happening and I could go on and on about the other things that are happening in our culture of end time prophecy. I could tell you about the great falling away. I could tell you about culture changing. I could tell you about sin and morality and the family. I could tell you about laws being changed. I could tell you about abortion. I could tell you about all these different issues that we could go into. You already know that. I'm telling you one specific thing that I I can turn on the news and God says, I told you so. I told you so. There are 22 Arab states and 52 Muslim states surrounding there, and only one Jewish state, and they are not content to let that survive. Right now, the narrative is being told that promotes that the Jews are taking the Arabs are, are taking their land, when the opposite is true. We are watching headlines right now. Here is the headlines, and you guys see this in the news. You guys know this is this is current events right now. Watching the headlines of the brutal attack on Israel. Israel has always been the focus of war and division, but why is this different? Just say, why, why this? Pastor Tony, they've always shot missiles and wars, and they've always been an attack of them. Saturday, October 7, 2023, was one of the darkest days in Israel's history. They, they, they said, besides the Holocaust, it was one of the darkest days in their, human, in their, their history. They themselves said this. They have compared Israel's uh, attack on that day to, uh, to our Pearl Harbor, our 9-11. You say, wow, how dare they do that? Do you understand what happened? 1,500 Hamas terrorists crossed over in 40 different breaches of their land, air, sea, and land. Uh, a complete surprise attack. And I don't think we understand the comparison of the number of people there to comparison of the number of people that died. If you were to compare the size of the country, it would be uh, America's 10 times the size of, uh, of them, which means that this uh, Israel would be about 7.1 million, where America is about 330 million So you understand that their attack that they had on that day was literally in comparison 10 times more deaths than what we experienced through 9-11. Now I know we don't feel that because we're just looking at the stats and it doesn't look that. But when you look at the map and you see the comparison, of the size of the nation and the loss that they had, it was uh, catastrophic. It was crazy what they went through. Hamas is a radical Islamic organization. They are an anti-Jew, anti-Christian organization. Hamas in Hebrew means violent. And they proudly proclaim this. In 1988, their covenants say this Israel will exist and will continue to exist until Islam will obliterate it. That, that's literally their mission. I'm, I'm gonna ask you guys right now, who has who in the world has a mission statement like that? The target one nation! You, you, you're going to tell me that this is not a spiritual attack and the Bible says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. This is what we're reading right now. That is it. The, the, they said in Article 7 of their covenant, they said the day of judgment would not come until Muslims fight and kill all the Jews. This is their agenda. This is their mission. Part of the Hamas charter is they will never come to terms with peace with Israel. They will only settle for their destruction. The Hamas leader has said this, Israel is only our first target The entire planet will be under our law. He goes on to say that earth will become a system where there is no injustice, no oppression, no Zionism, and no treacherous Christianity. Their goal is to cause casualties in Gaza Strip to make the Israelites face of of, uh, of hurt for, for that region over there. Hamas has been known, and, and I know a lot of you guys know this just from watching the news, they're, they're known of building their places where they launch their missiles and different things like that, in the basements of hospitals, of being their headquarters. They gather together and they shoot from places where there's uh, civilians there, so that if we retaliate or if Israel retaliates, they're automatically killing innocent civilians. You talk about twisted, for forcing nations to defend themselves by bombing hospitals. You understand, on that day, they did not just invade. They cut off the heads of babies. They shot their kids in front of their parents. They burnt homes with people trapped inside. They took prisoners of kids, babies, and spouses. They raped people as they went through the city. They are evil people. But I remind you of this, that God said, I will keep my promise. The, the, the reason why, when, when we inter- reiterate Genesis 12, verse 3, and I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curse thee, this is why we stand with Israel. Can, can you guys just hear me out? This is why we wholeheartedly, as Fellowship Baptist Church, as a people, as, as standing on the Word of God, we stand with Israel. Amen. That doesn't mean that we condone sin. That doesn't mean that we don't pray for Hamas. And yes, we pray for Hamas. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. The Bible says that we pray for our enemies. That's what we do. We pray for our enemies. We pray for those that go up against us. And the power of God can change anybody. And there's a lot of innocent in the middle of this. Not everybody in the middle of this, Palestine, Hamas, or the Israel, that is all good or all bad. There's a lot in the middle of this that are just caught in the mix of the crossfire. But God said, I'll keep my promises. Israel is the focus because Israel gave us Jesus. And Israel is tied into what's going to happen next you understand that God had to gather them up because we have end-time prophecy? Now we're going to get to the end, okay? We have end-time prophecy. In order for end-time prophecy, God's going to do certain things in Israel. And if Israel is bumped off the map or God's people is not there, then God cannot fulfill his end-time prophecy. So now you have to understand, why do you think Satan's going to go after it? Because he says they need to go because that's God's plan. It's written in God's word. The, the Bible tells us about the parable of the fig tree, which represents Israel. Jesus was teaching about coming events in Matthew 24, verse 32. He said, Now learn the parable of the fig tree. When his branch is yet tender and bringeth forth leaves, you know that the summer is nigh. And he talked about them branching and flourishing and becoming something. He said, When you see this, he said, Just know that the summer is nigh. So likewise, when you shall see all these things, know that that it is near, even at the doors. This is Jesus' teaching. Say, no man knows the day nor the hour. That's true, we don't know the day nor the hour, but God has told us, he said, I'll promise you, I'll tell you when the time is near. Verily I say unto you, that this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no not the angels in heaven, but my Father only. Israel is the focus point of the end times. When the Bible says, watch, 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 what are we watching? We're watching things like Israel. God says, put your attention on this. God will protect Israel and nobody is going to take their land. The Bible says in Psalm 121, verse 4 Behold, he that (coughs) keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper. Who is the one that's putting his hands on Israel? Who's the one doing the work over there right now? It is God. I remind you, (coughs) all this happened in our generation, not previous generations. We hold up signs and say the end is near and things like this. When Israel became a nation, that was happening of the, 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 the prophetic clock ticking. Of God saying this generation, the things that are going to come to pass, the things that we should be watching. There's a great war coming. And this is where a lot of the people are like, okay, scratching their heads right now. In, in, in Ezekiel 37, 38, 39, in those passages, there's the, God, the, the, the war of Gog and Magog. The great people from the north will come down and go against Israel. The Bible talks about from north, it will involve Russia and Turkey and Iran, and the Bible describes all these things. And from that great war, there will be a great world leader that stands up and will declare peace. And from that, the Antichrist will make a seven-year covenant with Israel, according to Daniel 9.27, the temple be, will be rebuilt in Jerusalem. The Antichrist will break his covenant in the middle of Israel and, and chaos will break out. That's when God brings his witnesses and the two will preach and prophesy and Israel will then begin to get their attention focused focus back on God. Now those things have not yet happened. But we're standing at the door of it. We're watching the tension. We're watching who jumps in. We're watching who becomes an ally, who stands against them. We're watching Russia. We're watching Iran. We already know the background of Iran and how Iran's tied into it and how America gave Iran money and all these other things tied into it. Because so much happens with Israel in the tribulation period. They had to return in order for Joel 2, verse 31 to happen. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. Talking about during the tribulation period, for the Mount of Zion in Jerusalem shall be deliverance. Jerusalem. <clears throat> God's talking about his land, his people. You talk about prophecy, talking about the end. You talk about World War III or Armageddon, however you want to word it, shall be deliverance. And the Lord has said, and in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. Listen to this. He's talking about Israel in end times in verse Joel uh, 3, verse 1. He said, For behold, in those days and in that time when I shall bring again, bring to light the captivity of Judah and Jerusalem, and also gather all the nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat. You say, what is that? That is the battle of Armageddon. Where does it happen? It happens in Israel. And right, right where it started is, that where it, that's where it's going to end. You say, why is Israel a big deal? Why are we pointing to it? Why are we putting our eyes on it? Because God said it began with that. I will do something great. And it will end with that. Why do you think all prophecy had to be fulfilled? Why do you think for years people say Jesus could come at any time? But until 1948, that is what opened the door to start this to be able to happen. Jehoshaphat means Jehovah will judge or Armageddon. It's the valley of Israel. And will plead with them there for my people and for my heritage of Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations and parted my land. God literally stands at the end of it and he calls them up here and he says, it's time for you to know who the true God is. If you know the battle of Armageddon and know how it ends and how God returns and he comes back with, (laughs) anyways, it's powerful. I'll end up preaching. It's one of my favorite things in scripture. It's one of my favorite things to teach and share but I close with this. What does this mean for us? Obviously, Israel's from the very beginning. Obviously, God's setting the stage. Obviously, God used the land. Obviously, God's bringing them back. Obviously, God, did through Joel, said, I'm going to do something at the end. Obviously, God says, watch. But I'm talking about us right now, us. I'm just going to get out of here and you're going to scroll through Facebook and you're going to see Israel in the news. You're going to get on Yahoo you're, you're, you're gonna get on Google. You're gonna get your news, and you're gonna get that, and you're gonna see that. And, you, and, and God's trying to stir us up right now, saying, "I told you." say Israel. It's, it's, it's a sliver on the map. It's nobody. I've never been there. I've, you know, I, I have no idea. How that? that why should I care? Is everything that God said, he was preparing us. He was waking us up. What does it matter for us when God said in Genesis 12, 2, I will make thee a great nation. God said, look at that. And I said, I will do it. And God has brought them back and God's making them great again. And God's protecting them again. God keeps his promises. Can I give you some more I wills from God that apply right to us? Number one, he will warn. He will warn us. So likewise, when you shall see all these things, know that it is near even at the doors. When sin hits a boiling point, when we're literally in two days going to, 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 to vote on whether we should kill babies or not. And then you just say, what happened? We, we, God, God said with sin would just hit a boiling point where man does that which is right in their own eyes. There's a grave falling away and churches are closing and all these things and God's constantly screaming and showing us these things. But you realize that why God gave us so many signs so that we could see them and point to them and say that God warned us. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You understand why you're here today, and maybe you just came for curiosity. I don't believe all this. This is crazy. I don't know. You realize that God, who is full of mercy and grace and love, brought you here so you could hear the word of God so that you don't stand before God one day and say, I didn't know so. God, God brought you here today so that you could know now before it is too late. And all of these things happening is because God loved, for God so loved the world gave us prophecy in the word of God and we live in a day and age that we, we can get, I, I don't care what nation you can get the word of God, you can hear preaching you can hear truth, God is not willing that any should perish, you talk about knowledge shall increase, the word of God has increased in a way that we've never seen before it's available it's in, it's, it's, we have Bibles written in other languages and all this stuff, why? because God is not willing that any should perish he will warn he will return John fourteen three and I go to prepare a place for you, and I will come again and receive you unto myself. For where I am, there you might be also. I'm going to tell you right now, I don't care what you believe or what your background is, according to the word of God, Jesus is coming back. When we were kids, we used to play a game, hide and seek, and before we went out, we would yell out, ready or not, here I come. I'm going to tell you, God's not going to yell that out, but I'm going to tell you, ready or not, here he comes. And there's people right now in this building and there's people that are watching online that you are not ready. You're not ready. Because I think in the last days with the falling away and I grew up in church and I I said a prayer when I was little, I really had no change in my life. I have no desire to come. You're just playing a game. What are you doing? Playing a game with eternity. Playing a game with the pits of hell playing a game where Satan is pulling the strings. And I'm telling you now, when God said I'm going I'm to warn you and I'm going to come back, God gives grace and God does all of these things just because he loves us. But I'm going to tell you this, the Bible says that I will judge. He will judge. He's going to judge the world. In Revelation 16, verse 1, he talked about the enemy. He says, and, and, and God says, and he pour out vials of wrath upon the earth, God says, I, I'm going to come back and I'm going to rapture out the church and then I'm going to judge the earth. I'm going to rapture out the church and then I'm going to judge the earth. Do you know why? Because God judges sin. And you say, I, I get that for the world because the world is broken and destroyed and God's going to destroy cancer and God's going to destroy diabetes and God's going to destroy all the junk and the addictions. God's going to pour out his wrath on this world. But I need to tell you that you have sin in your life unless God forgives you of your sin, that you remain with that sin in your life, and therefore God pours out his wrath on us, not because God does not love you, but because you rejected the God that loves you. Every time we see that cross lit up, every time you see it on the Bible, that is God screaming out, I loved you, I loved you, I loved you, I died for you, I gave you salvation, I gave you a way out, I gave you hope. Every time we hear the word that thou shalt be saved, The word saved is not just become religious, it's to be rescued from the damnations of eternal hell. You reject that salvation, you reject the hope that we're talking about. It's not God pushing you away, it's you pushing God away. Because God said he's going to judge man, he's going to judge the unsaved. And at the end of it, just so you know, there's a day coming that we're all going to be in this spot. All of us are going to be in this spot. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God because life is over. There's no more life. And the books were open. Another book was open. And it's the book of life. Do you know who gives the life? It's Jesus that gives the life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father but by me. It's not growing up in church it's not walking into this building. It's not because you have a Bible. It's not because your grandpa served in church. It's because you knew Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. That is salvation. He says, then they were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to the works or what they did and what they were offered here on earth. And whosoever was not found written in the books of life was cast into the lake of fire. It's coming a day that you're gonna stand before God. you're going to either stand before God as lost or saved there's no in between there's no I hope I make it in you're either a child of God or you are not you were either saved and bought by the blood of Jesus Christ your sins either covered by that or you're trying to cover yourself all the good deeds and all the good things that you do in your life will never outweigh your sin never outweigh your sin that's why the lamb that was slain when Jesus stands there, there will, there will be scars in heaven. It will be the scars of the evidence of saying, I died for you. When you are rejected and when you were you cast into hell, you'll be staring at the one that has the hands that died on the cross for you. You rejected that. Why would we do that? And I'm going to tell you, as much as I brag about the power of God, can I tell you about the power of Satan? He is a deceiver. He did it from the beginning. He'll do it to the end. He will lie to you and manipulate your mind and say, you're okay. You're okay. Every teenager, every kid, every adult, every grandparent, I don't care if you're 80 years old you don't have the peace of God, get it right, get it right, get it right. I want to go to hell for nobody. My pride, I'm not going to admit that I'm struggling with this because I've been in this church my whole life. Who cares? I'd rather admit that I'm a sinner and that I've been faking it all this time as opposed to go to hell. Are you ready?